morning. Let's open in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together. You tell us to come together as a family, to, to learn from each other, to understand how you, each one of us is an individual. We each have our own relationship with you and we can share those relationships, Lord. And we can always see how our relationship with you can grow. So Lord, as we're here together today, let us listen, let us grow. Let us enjoy your presence. This we ask in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. We want to thank Pastor Rob Davis for coming and bringing us a message this week. We thank you very much. All right. Let's worship our Lord. Good morning, everybody. We're going to be discussing the age-old question. And we'll see if you can pick it up here in this devotional reading. The problem of suffering. I have kept his ways and not turned aside. Job's 23:11. Some scholar think, <clears throat> excuse me, some scholars think that Job may be the oldest book in the Bible. Whether that's true or not, it certainly deals with one of humanity's oldest question. Why does God allow suffering? It isn't an easy issue because it goes to the heart of our deepest questions about God. After all, the arguments run, how could a loving and gracious God allow us to suffer? Or to put it another way, if God loves us, why would he let us suffer? He must not love us. But that conclusion is false. God does love us. The proof is in the suffering that he allowed his son to endure on the cross. What then is the answer to this age-old question? The key is to understand the character of God. That is what Job discovered. No, God never gave him a logical, complete answer for his suffering, but through his experience, Job came to realize that God could be trusted because he is merciful and loving. And you can trust God too, not because he always gives us the answers, but simply because he's God. The hope for today, during a trial, it is tempting to ask why we are suffering. The answer doesn't lie in the why of our suffering. The answer lies in the who is with us in the midst of our pain. We've got the river songs, kind of like a, a rain dance, hoping.
sorry about that. <laughs> we did it good in practice, though. <laughs> I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Open prison doors, set the captives free. is still here you know when he gets on a theme of rivers that's that's the whole thing so I think we're doing a little rain dance maybe for rain that's that's what I'm thinking but we hope our Old Testament scripture reading comes from Psalms 85 verses 8 through 13 I listened carefully to what God the Lord is saying for he speaks peace to his faithful people. But yet, but let him not return to their foolish ways. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him. So our land will be filled with his glory. Unfailing love and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed. Truth springs up from the earth and righteousness smiles down from heaven. 
Yes, the Lord pours down his blessings. Our land will yield its bountiful harvest. Righteousness goes herald before him, preparing the way for his steps. And if you'd like to say the Lord's Prayer with us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. New Testament reading today comes from Romans chapter 10, verses 5 through 15. For Moses writes that the law's way of making a person right with God requires obedience to all its commands. But faith's way of getting right with God says, don't say in your heart, I will go up to heaven to bring Christ down to earth. And don't say, who will go to the place of the dead to bring Christ back to life again? In fact, it says, the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord 
and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him unless they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. We now have a responsive reading in your bulletin or up on the monitor. This day is full of beauty and adventure. Help me, Lord, to be fully alive to it all. During this day, I may be I become a more thoughtful person, a more prayerful person, a more generous and kindly person. Help me not to be turned in on myself, but to be sensitive and helpful to others. Let me do nothing today that will hurt anyone, but let me help at least a little to make life more pleasant for those I meet. Light comes. May I look back on this day without regret. And may nobody be unhappy because of anything I have said or done or failed to do. Lord God, bless this day for me and all of us. Make it a day in which we grow a little more like your son. Amen. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, You've given so much. You gave your son to die for us. You forgive us of our sins. And you, we know all belongs to you, and you, you have trusted us with it. You've, given, you've blessed us in many different ways. And Lord, you call us to give back, to share those blessings that you have given us, to share with others, to reach out and share you and share your son with others. So Lord, although we're not physically going through taking the collection, we are, folks are still donating. And Lord, we ask that, the, that, that those donations be blessed and used to further your kingdom. Have, have us all be your messengers. This we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Linda. I'd like to introduce the pastor who's going to be uh, filling our pulpit this morning. His name is Pastor Rod Davis, and he has been in Tucson since he was five years old. He went to school here. He went to school at the U of A and then did his, um, his uh, seminary through Liberty University. He is married um, and has one little beautiful girl named Had Hadley. And um, uh, and he was a, pa a youth pastor for 17 years at Christ Community, which is a long time to be youth pastor there. During that time, as as his um, in his service there, we knew a number of the kids who were under his um, care, and they loved Pastor Rob. So. Um, about a year ago, in this coming August, a year ago, um, he evidently went to Christ Community and felt the call to plant a church. And he has been in the process of, uh, of all the things that it takes to plant a church, which I imagine are major. Um, he wants to plant his church in Vail. Um, it will be called the uh, Living Branch. Is that true? The Living Branch Church. It is not up and running yet because about the time that he felt God's call for that, 
um, we have had this visitor in our country that has changed everything. And so um, he's not been able yet to do that, but we are thrilled to have him visit us today. And he's going to be speaking on Psalm 34, and I'm handing out the guide for you. Thank you. Here or there? On the pulpit, okay. Well, good morning. I don't even know. I don't even know if I need this microphone, but they told me to wear it. So, I'm gonna, when you're a guest, you'll abide by the rules, right? Well, as Linda said, uh, my name is Rob. I, I was a pastor at Christ Community for many years. Still have many great friends there, who I love, and uh, on this journey to plant a new church, um, I knew it was going to be difficult. I had no idea that we would add on to it a global pandemic which uh, takes something that's already difficult and multiplies it by a billion, and that's where we're, on. That's where we're at. So it uh, worked out well for me to be here with you this morning uh, because, as Linda said, we're not quite up and running yet, so our Sunday morning gathering looks like a, a pre-recorded uh, worship service that we then play on Sunday mornings uh, over the internet for our team. So they were enjoying and being a part of that while I was able to come be here with you guys this morning. So, uh, so I, I'm excited to be here. Um, I picked a psalm for us to consider this morning. And let me just say this. One of the things that I love about the psalms is that they really help to give expression to our, remote, our emotional relationship with God in all seasons of life, uh, which, as we know, are many, right? And so, in other words, regardless of the particular season that we find ourselves in, chances are good that there is a corresponding psalm uh, that gives expression to the feelings and the emotions that characterize that particular season. And so I want us to consider Psalm 34, which is a psalm of David, and it's one that's characterized by extreme gratitude and praise to God. And there's a spirit of gratitude and thankfulness that comes kind of oozing out of David in this psalm, which he has so wonderfully recorded for us in Psalm 34 but let me, let me, before we step into it, let me ask you this question. How do you respond to God when you find yourselves in a season of abundance where you can distinctly feel the Lord's favor? What's the appropriate expression of the heart when you find yourself on the other side of a season of lament and suffering, when life kind of feels good again and it's pleasant and things kind of seem once again like they're okay? You've, you've come up from the deep, dark, suffocating waters, and you can kind of finally breathe again. David's response in Psalm 34 suggests to us that the proper response is one of unceasing gratitude to God. And so if you have a Bible, I invite you to turn to Psalm 34. I think maybe it'll be on the screen at some point. Um, but let me provide the historical context to this psalm because this is really interesting. David wrote this psalm after God had rescued him from one of the most dangerous times in his life. And the actual event that David is expressing his gratitude and praise for is recorded for us in 1 Samuel 21. And it's there that we find David running from his life from King Saul. Now you may remember that on three different occasions, Saul has unsuccessfully tried to pin David to the wall with a spear followed by Saul sending a team of assassins to, to try and take David out. And so in desperation, David flees. And why is this significant? Well, he flees to a place called Goth, and it's there in Goth that years earlier, David had killed their Philistine hero named Goliath. So you want to talk about a poor place to try and hide, right? David is the most recognizable, and he's the most hated man in this city. And to make matters worse, David bore the sword of Goliath after seizing it from him and, and after he had killed him in battle. And so as you might suspect upon fleeing there, the people of course recognized David and, their, and the report of his presence to the king. And the king has him captured. And he's now at the mercy of the king with nowhere to turn. And so in a very strange series of events, this is one of the weirder stories in the Bible, David decides that his only chance to survive is to pretend that he's kind of lost his mind. And so you read in 1 Samuel 21 that he acts like a madman. And it says that he's scratching at the doorpost and he has saliva running down his face. And the king falls for it. And he basically asks his servant, 
He basically says to his servants, don't we already have enough crazy madmen in my presence? I don't need another one. Turn them loose. And so David is freed by the king, escapes with his life. And so it's after this rather odd story that we get both Psalm 56, that was David's prayer while he was still a prisoner, and we get Psalm 34, which was a song of gratitude to the Lord after he has set him free. Does that make sense? That's the background to where this psalm came from. He, he has two prayers. One, God, would you save my life? And then secondly, thank you, God, that you saved my life. And so we get Psalm 34. So I'm going to read it all the way through. You can follow along with me if, you, if you'd like to. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Verse 8, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. O fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lion suffers want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are towards the righteous and his ears towards their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all of his bones, not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. Okay, so... I want, to, I want us to consider this morning four uh, ways, um, four prominent reasons for giving thanks to God in this psalm. And um, now remember, this is a season of victory for David. It's a season of abundance for him. The storm clouds have, have kind of parted, and he has hope again. He has life. And it expresses, its, it, it expresses itself in David's awareness of four distinct things from the Lord that often characterize these seasons. First, seasons of abundance. This is the season that David is in. Invite us to praise God for his deliverance. For his deliverance. That's specifically in verses 4 to 7. In verse 4, David now begins to kind of unfold his personal testimony, right? He's giving some substance to his boast that he's previously mentioned in the, in the first few verses. And the deliverance theme is really prominent here. We see it twice. We see it both in verse 4 and again in verse 7. And David first reminds us in, that in prayer he sought the Lord. That's all of Psalm 56. And now here he is on the other side of that prayer and he's experienced deliverance. And there's a progression here if you will notice. First, there is trouble. That's verse 4. Second, there is prayer. That is verse 6. And then third, there is deliverance. That is verse 7. And speaking from his own experience, David exhorts us in verse 5 to look to the Lord. Look to Jesus. This is structured more as a command in the original language, not just a suggestion. And he says, look to the Lord, because those who do so are radiant. How so? Because in the Lord is our, our self-worth secure, and we are not subject to fears and shame. But when our gaze is on ourself, there is great shame and there are many fears and the fears and troubles that he speaks of here in these verses are those concerns that terrorize our soul and occupy our thoughts. And let's recall for a second what those specifically might have been for David. Certainly he was obviously afraid for his own physical life, wasn't he? He's at the mercy of the king with no guarantee that he will escape. But there's a second one. If you recall, I'm, I'm jumping back over to 1 Samuel in chapter 20. Just a chapter before this crazy account with the king, David is forced to part with his soulmate, Jonathan. So this is the lowest point in David's life so far. 
His best friend is gone, he's captured, and he's presumably waiting to be executed. And so no wonder he refers to himself in verse 6 as this poor man. Yet even then, he recalls this, he is persistent in reminding us that God has rescued him, delivered him, and he will deliver you as well. And the beautiful reality is that God's deliverance for us is certain, even if it's not always visible, in, in, for us in a period of time. And I think that's the main idea behind verse 7. The angel of the Lord camps around those who fear him and delivers them. And as I read verse 7, I always think of the story of God's deliverance of, of the prophet Elijah and his servants in 2 Kings chapter 6. You may remember this story. They're surrounded by armies, and Elisha's servant goes out in the morning, and he sees all of the armies on the hillside surrounding them, and he comes back in terror, and he reports it to Elijah. What was Elijah's response? He says, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those that are with them. And we kind of asked the question, like, really? You should go out there and have a look for yourself, because I'm not sure that you know what you're talking about. And then the text says that Elijah prayed, and God opened the servant's eyes to see the hills full of horses and chariots and fire surrounding them all. And the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. There's a promise of deliverance here when the whole world seems against you. God stands ready to deliver you. And so while many of us here maybe still are waiting from deliverance from a particular hardship, just as many of us have also experienced radical deliverance from God in some way in our lives. Let me ask you, what has God delivered you from? It could be something in the in the in just the recent past, or it could be something 20 years ago, 40 years ago that God has delivered you from. Can you recognize his deliverance in your life, and have you thanked him for it? I promise that if you look to him and if you offer a song of praise and gratitude, you'll never be ashamed. Secondly, seasons of abundance invite us to praise God for his provision. That's verses 8 to 14. So not only does God save and deliver, but he provides as well. And the next, this section begins with probably one of the most famous verses in the book of Psalms, right? Verse 8, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. And so very similar to verse 3, David's desire here is that we join him in this song of gratitude and praise, and that the only way we will truly do this is if we've tasted the goodness of the Lord for ourselves. I can stand up here and tell you that honey is sweet, but until you taste it for yourself, it's just a secondhand belief rather than a personal knowledge. And in verses 9 and 10, we primarily find his promise of provision. For those who fear him have no lack. The young lion suffers want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. And so this is an invitation from David extended to us to take God at his word, to trust his nature and his character which he's described as good in verse 8, that he will indeed provide for our needs. Now be careful, this is not, we should not understand this as that God is handing us a blank check to fill in as we want. This is not the prosperity gospel, but rather a sure promise from the Lord that he will provide for our needs based on who he is. But it's conditional, as verses 11 to 14 would indicate. There is no true experience of God's goodness and his provision without corresponding godliness. And this picture of godliness is what we find in verses 11 to 14. Proper fear of the Lord, a tongue that does not speak evil, a mouth that does not speak deceitful, a divine awareness to flee evil and to pursue good, and a heart that seeks peace. And so let me ask you today, what has God provided for you? Maybe it's a loving family, maybe it's a home, Maybe it's a stable, uh, a stable job. Maybe it's uh, financial stability or good health. Can you recognize his provision in your life today and have you thanked him for it? It's one thing to recognize it. It's another to thank him. Taste for yourself the full flavor of God's goodness. Take inventory of your life today and ask him to awaken within you gratitude for his provision. Seasons of abundance. Thirdly, invite us to praise God for his attention, his attention to our lives. That's verses 15 to 18. 
I love this picture of the attention of the Lord, and we see it several places, right? Verse 15, the eyes of the Lord are towards the righteous. Verse 17, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears them. And verse 18, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. And let's recall for a moment, David is writing these promises on the other side of his own season of despair. He's not describing for us what a season of abundance looks like, but rather of despair, but also the accompanying promises that go along with it. Let me draw our attention particularly to verse 16, because it's sandwiched in between these beautiful promises of the attention of God. And in fact, it kind of offers a contrasting promise. It says, the face of the Lord, or the attention of God, is against those who do evil, to cut off the memory of them from the earth. And so David kind of reasons here with us, worse than any season of despair that you could be in, worse than any season of suffering or anguish, is to be on the wrong side of the attention of God. So while there are any number of losses that hurt and inflict pain, the only loss that is truly unbearable is the loss of the Lord's attention and presence from your life. It's almost that as though here in these verses, David is taking God to this next level of greatness, demonstrating even further how unbelievable worthy he is of our praise and our gratitude. And I can almost hear David in my mind saying, yes, God is the great deliverer. He's the great provider. He is good. Taste and see for yourself. And not only is he those things, but let's go one further. He is also near to you, and you have his attention. Think of small children. They come into the room, and they just want the attention of grandma and grandpa or mom and dad. They want to feel like you're paying attention to me. And that's the promise of God to us is that he pays attention to our lives Just stop and think for a moment. What is there in the entire world that we could desire more than the attention of God on our lives? There are countless scriptures even that testify to this. And so maybe some of us here today um, still find ourselves in a hardship. Your prayer prayer list would indicate that there are many hardships among this body of, of believers. But be assured that you are not separated from God's divine awareness of what's going on in your life, and that you have the attention of God, that he cares for you, and that he hears you when you cry out to him. Can you recognize this in your life today, that you have the attention of God, and have you expressed your gratitude for his divine attention in your life? Fourthly, you all still with me? Nobody's thrown anything at me yet, so we must be okay. Um, Fourthly, seasons of abundance, remember, that's what David is writing this from, uh, invite us to praise God for his protection, his protection. That's verses 19 to 22. There's something interesting we should note here, and that is that affliction is a reality for both the righteous and the unrighteous alike. If the sun and the rain rise and fall on the evil and good alike, then so, do, so too does the affliction. And so we should ask, well, what's different? And the answer is the outcome of that affliction. For the righteous, affliction brings forth deliverance and protection. That's verse 20. He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. Yet for the unrighteous, or the wicked, affliction will slay and condemn them. That's verse 21. There is no protection and there is no deliverance. The presence of the Lord, his attention to your life, this is really important for us to understand, does not exempt us from pain and suffering, but it does protect you from it in the midst of it. And that's an important distinction. And so while we know any number of hardships that inflict pain or sorrow or fear, it cannot deliver the fatal blow to us. And the word keep used in verse 20 means to exercise great care over. So as a similar example would be as Adam cared for the garden prior to the fall, or as Jacob in Genesis chapter 30 cared for his sheep. So the promise here is that the Lord will exercise great care over your life and he will protect you. 
Which is why, as verse 22 indicates, he is a very safe place to take refuge in. Elsewhere in Psalms, many places actually we find similar promise of protection. I'll just give you one. Psalm 138, verse 7, it says this. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. And let me, ask, let me also add this. I recognize that there's maybe some kind of perceived degree of overlap between the, the, the promise of deliverance and the promise of protection. And so let me give you a helpful way to kind of dis- differentiate between those. It's helpful to recognize that protection is more closely associated with what could have been than what actually was, which is the theme of deliverance. So sometimes things don't ever come into our lives because the Lord protects us from them. Sometimes things come into our lives and then the Lord delivers, the, delivers us from them. And so let me ask you, can you recognize the Lord's protection over your life today? What has he protected you from? And have you offered a song of gratitude and thankfulness to him for it? Maybe he's protected you from a situation that could have turned out significantly worse for you. Maybe it was uh, a relationship of some type or a financial decision that would have been devastating for you or a health concern that never, never turned into anything. I would guess everyone here this morning can identify some form of the Lord's protection in their life. And the question that we have to ask is, do I express gratitude to the Lord for his protection over my life? That's what seasons of abundance invite us to do. One of the reasons that I picked this psalm is because it feels a little out of place in a COVID-19 world, doesn't it? Because it's really easy to focus on everything that is wrong. It's really easy to focus on all the things that have changed for us. And for me, uh, I'm still in the, I'm assuming most of you are retired. Fair assumption? Maybe not all of you. I'm still in the working season of life. I'm still the season of raising a family. I'm still in the season of having school-aged children. All of those things have been changed, all of them. And it's really easy for me, day after day after day, to recognize what I don't have, what's gone wrong, how my plans have changed, how my desire to plant this church has shifted, all those things. And so this really kind of puts my feet back on the ground to say, even in difficult times, there, are, there is so much to, get, to offer a, a song of praise for. And, and David's psalm to us is a great example of that. And one of the things I love about this psalm is that it's very realistic. Here's what, I, here's what I mean by that. If you were to read Psalm 56, which I would encourage you to do on your own time, that's David's prayer while he's still in captivity, captivity and has a very different kind of tone and theme to it. He's not seeing life as clearly then as he is now in Psalm 34. The storm clouds are still kind of overhead. And so if you contrast these two psalms, it allows us to identify with David in a very real way. He's he's human. He had some moments where he couldn't see very clearly. Things looked dark and foggy. But then there's also a time where he's able to see a little clearer, and he was able to recognize, God, you have done so much for me. And he offers a song of gratitude. And so for those of us here who know Christ as our Savior, which I think is probably all of us, I want to encourage you this morning to not let an ongoing or an unresolved hardship in your life kind of snuff out the spark of gratitude that God has given to us. And as I shared with you a moment ago, this season that we're in uh, makes it really easy for that to happen. It doesn't take much for us to find what's wrong. We just have to turn on the news and we're reminded every single day. But let's be careful not to take the all or nothing approach with God. And so would, if you were to take an honest inventory of your life today, this is where we'll close. If you would take an honest inventory of your life today, could you find even one reason, one reason to give a song of praise and gratitude to the Lord Are you a grateful person today? Do you have that awareness today? Have you experienced the deliverance of the Lord? Thank him. Do you know the riches of his provisions? Then we thank him. 
Are you aware of his divine attention to your life? Then we thank him. And have you experienced his protection over your life? Then we have reason to thank him. And so I pray, although I've only known you for an hour, uh, that as we continue as one large body of Christ in this city of Tucson, that we would have a song of praise and that we would have a song of gratitude. That's what will set us apart right now in this season that we're in. Because there are many people in our community that are under a heavy cloud of, of darkness and disappointment and mental health issues and depression. And so as followers of Christ, we have a chance to radiate a song of gratitude and song of praise because of all that God has done for us. And so I, I close by saying this, that, we, that may it always be said of us, as it was of David, that we will bless the Lord at all times and that his praise and his praise alone shall continually be in our mouth. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let, me, let me pray for us, if I could. Father, we love you, and we are so grateful for all that you have given to us. And Lord, in this season where, as we've considered this morning, it's so easy to see what we don't have and how things have been changed and how we're dealing with various disappointments or fears or concerns. God, that in the midst of this very unique and challenging season, that we would be people of gratitude and that we would be quick to offer a song of praise to you for all that you've given to us, for your deliverance in our lives, for your protection in our lives, for your provisions in our lives. God, so many different ways that you have provided for us. And so we pause this morning just to simply say thank you. We have many needs we have many wants, but in this very moment, we don't bring those to you. We simply bring our praise and our gratitude to say thank you. Thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for all that you are doing. And thank you even as we look to the future and it looks a little uncertain, we thank you for the ways that you will continue to provide. And I especially thank you for this church of faithful saints, faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, who gather regularly to worship you. I pray your favor and your blessings would be poured out on this church, that you would bring them the right individual to be a pastor for this church, that you would protect this church, you would give strength and health and joy and peace to this congregation, and that we would meet again at some point in the future to be able to celebrate all the good things that you're doing in our city and in our lives. We love you, and we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Shall we gather at the river where righteous feet have trod with its crystal tide forever flowing by the throne of God? Yes, we will gather at the river, the beautiful, the beautiful river, gather with the saints. Shining river
Heavenly Father, thank you for the reminder today that no matter what is going on in the world, that you can use it for good, that you're there, you're there always, and that you will pull us out, and that, we, Lord, we can look and we can see the despondent, we can see the sadness, but we can also see the joy, and we know that you're there protecting, and being with us, Lord. Let us always be grateful. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God be with us till we meet again. Peace.